So this is April 19, 2013, in Goloka on the appearance day of Lord Ramachandra. So first we can sing this sloka from Plus Avatar. Hmm? Well, it would be nice, but it's all right. My hands will work. Vitarasi dik shuhane dik pati kamaniyam. Vitarasi dik shuhane dik pati kamaniyam. Vitarasi Dasamukha moli balim ramaniyam. Dasamukha moli balim ramaniyam. Valmiki one time saw a hunter kill a bird, and in anger at the hunter, he cursed the hunter using poetry. 
and it was a poetic meter that had not been heard before on the earth. And he was wondering why he got so angry at the hunter, and then Lord Brahma appeared and said, this poetry that you've said, this is the poetry in which you should write the Ramayana. So the Ramayana starts off with the fact that Dasarath, uh, although he had three wives, he had no sons. And you may wonder why in the Bhagavatam these kings are so anxious to get sons. But part of the responsibility when you're a leader is to make sure that you have a successor, not that when you die or when you retire, everything falls apart. You're supposed to train people to take over after you. So the main way that was done was you had a good child that you trained from childhood to become the next king. So that was very much a part of their responsibility. And the way he did this was he was told that he had to bring the sage Rishishringa from the forest now, Rishishringa is very unusual. His mother died at birth, and his father decided to raise him without any knowledge of females. So he was prohibited from seeing not only any women, but even any female animals. He basically didn't know that there were two genders. And the way that he was brought to the capital of Ayodhya to do this yagya is they sent some beautiful prostitutes with some nice food to because he didn't know what they were. He was just bewildered. So we see that trying to deal with maya by isolating yourself doesn't work very well. Then as soon as you're in contact with maya, you you won't know how to deal with it. Uh, Whereas our process is more that we deal with, we use material energy in Krishna's service, and therefore we're not bewildered by it. Anyway, he performed this sacrifice, and from the fire came this deity holding this payasa, so this payasa, after the women would drink it, they would be able to conceive. So of course nowadays, if women have trouble getting pregnant, they give them some sort of chemical. <laughs> so informally it was done differently. But the same, you know, we're very proud of all of our fancy ways of conceiving babies nowadays, but they had much more developed science previously. So then from Dasara's four queens, three queens came four children, Rambhad, Lakshmana, and Shatrugna, who are manifestations of Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pujumna, and Aniruddha. And although they're all Vishnu Tattva, they're in the mood of servants, Ekali Ishwar Krishna, that even Krishna's expansions like Balaram are in the mood of serving Krishna. And one devotee was saying to me, I worship Govardhan, but I see him as Krishna, not as Krishna's servant. And I said, but he is Krishna. (laughs) But all of Krishna's expansions are in the mood of serving Krishna. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in this mood of a devotee. So Dasarath was, of course, relishing this parental rasa with uh, Ram, Lakshman, Bharat, and Shatrugna. And Ram, of course, was the direct son of Kosalya. And they had a very sweet relationship. So the boys were trained not only in the Vedas, but they were also trained in how to rule. Srila Prabhupada says in the second canto of the Bhagavatam that Gurukula is for training in values of life along with specific training for a livelihood. So I know in the early days of ISKCON, we weren't very good at following this instruction of Srila Prabhupada. We had children graduating from the Gurukula without knowing what they were supposed to do in life or even our adult Brahmacharya Ashram. Srila Prabhupada gave a series of lectures in Mumbai in 76 
about the brahmacharya ashram, speaking both about children in Gurukula and the adult brahmacharis in the ashram. And he talked about how one of the qualities of the devotees is daksha, expert. And he said, all of the brahmacharis should be trained to know something of everything and everything of something. Not, not the situation that after you leave the brahmacharya ashram, that then you don't have any skills, you don't have, you know, you can't function. The idea is it's supposed to be specific training for a livelihood. So around Lakshman Bharat and Chitrigna were trained, of course, here we see in the military arts, but they were also trained in governance. The Kshatriyas didn't spend most of their time fighting. They spent most of their time taking care of people. And just like a father may have to defend his family, but generally he's just taking care of them, he's not defending them. Same with the government. In fact, that's why Krishna says, happy are the kasatriyas to whom such fighting opportunities come unsought, opening for them the doors of the heavenly kingdom, because it wasn't that fighting was going on all of the time. So they were trained in how to rule the kingdom, how to take care of the people, a specific training for a livelihood. So one day, Vishramrita Muni came to see Maharaj Dasarath, and he came, and Prabhupada often talks about this exchange where Vishramrita said to Dasarath, how is everything going with running your kingdom? And Dasarath says to Vishramrita, how is everything going with conquering birth and death? And Prabhupada says the different varnas and the different ashrams have different focuses. So the brahmanas, they're focused on moksha, they're focused on conquering birth and death. Kshatriyas are focused on public welfare activities, how to take care of the people. So after this exchange, King Dasarath, being trained in proper culture, said, my dear sage, I will give you anything you want. Now, that really wasn't such a terribly good idea. Dasarath seems to have had a habit of saying, I'll give you whatever you want, and then regretting it later. So if you're not really willing to give everything, don't say it. We have sometimes devotees will go to the deities and say, my dear Lord, I give you everything. And then Krishna says, oh really, what about this? And they're like, no, no, not that. So Vishwamita said, well, we're doing this yagya, and these demons are causing a disturbance. And I need somebody to kill them. Dasra said, why don't you do it? He said, well, I've taken a vow for the yagya that I'm not going to engage in violence, so I need the satriya to do it. Oh, I'm ready, Dasra said. I will come with my army. No problem. And Vishwamita said, well, actually, I don't want you. I want your son Ram. I said, my son Ram. He's only 16. He hasn't finished his education. The demons will simply kill him. If I'm not going to be good enough to kill the demons, what to speak of Ram? And Vishwamita got angry. He said, but you promised me. Are you going to go back on your promise? Dasrat didn't know what to do. Then his own guru, Vasista, said, you don't need to worry. Vishwamita can take proper care. Actually, he's sufficient to kill the demons, but he cannot do it directly, so he'll do it through your sons. Don't worry, they'll return safe. So the Dasarath was somewhat pacified and sent Ram and Lakshman with Vishramrita, who was their Shiksha guru. Vishramrita Muni then gave them many divine weapons and further military skills than they had learned in the Gurukula. And he told them how the demon Tadaka and her two sons, Subahu and Marich, were... Um, destroying the sacrifice. But on their way to the sacrifice, they came to a stone on which Vishramita asked Ram to put his lotus feet. And then the stone turned into Ahalya. And Ahalya had been seduced by Indra in the form of her husband. And although she knew that it wasn't her husband, even though he looked like her husband, she can immediately tell this is not my husband. 
And still she had an affair with Indra. So her husband said, you must do austerities here until Ram will rescue you. So this is the mercy of the Supreme Lord. So whatever sinful activities one has performed, if one takes shelter of the Lord, one will become free of those. It's not like you have to burn in a lake of fire for all of eternity and you can never get free of your sins and you're just finished. Uh, no, it's not like that. That, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, even if you're the most sinful of all sinners, that you can pass over the ocean of material miseries by the grace of the Lord. So after freeing Ahalya, then they came to fight with Kharika. Now, Ram was a little hesitant to fight with Tadaka because uh, the Ksatriyas aren't supposed to be a woman, but because Vishramrita was his guru and his father had told him to obey Vishramrita, he'd used the divine weapons given by Vishramrita to fight with Tadaka. And then, not only did he kill Tadaka, he also killed Subahu. Now, Subahu and Marich had been polluting the sacrifice. So, this happens. You know, we shouldn't think that just because we're devotees and just because we're doing sacrifices given in the Shastra, just because we're obeying the Guru, that everything will just be easy. So this isn't Treta Yuga, it's not even Kali Yuga, it's Treta Yuga, it's such a great Brahmana as Vishramita. And still, the, these demons kept causing a disturbance. He couldn't complete his sacrifice. So we should expect this. In fact, in all of Krishna's Leela, we see that there's difficulties and obstacles. They're, they're stories. <laughs> they're not just simply, oh, everything's just sweet. You know, a story means that there's a conflict, there's a difficulty that has to be overcome. Now, interestingly enough, Ram, although he killed Tadakam Subahu, he didn't kill Marich. So Maricha, he simply sent far away and displayed his prowess. So we also find this when Krishna appeared in Mathura. There was the prophecy that Krishna would kill Kamsa, but did Krishna immediately kill Kamsa as soon as he appeared? Could he have? Why not? He killed Putana a little while later. But he didn't. He went to Vrindavan, and however you want to calculate, 11 years or 16 years, before he came back to Mathura and killed Kamsa. So we may also think like this, you know, why doesn't Krishna just destroy all of the demons in my life now? Why when I say to Krishna, Krishna, please fix this, it's for your service. Why does he sometimes not do it right away? Hmm? This again is Leela. And if we think of uh, not only just from Krishna's appearance, but the voice in the sky saying, you know, the eighth child of your sister will kill you. So that was eighth child, you know, why not the first child? Why do they have to wait for the eighth child? That's at least eight years. So eight years plus 11, 19 years. Plus Kamsa was terrorizing the country even before that. So the devotees, they're, they're accepting that being part of Krishna's lila means going through struggles and difficulties and demons that Krishna comes and saves you at the right time like a hero. So he sent Marich away because Marich had a further role in the lila. Therefore, he didn't kill him at that time. And then Vishramrita, as a, his, his rasa is that of a matchmaker, so he brings Ram to Mithila to break the bow of Shiva. Actually, Vishramrita Muni is also the Brahmana who brings the letter of Rukmini to Krishna, and he's also the matchmaker that arranges the marriage of Lakshmi Devi and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Which is interesting because Vishramrita had been a king 
who was envious of the sister, and out of envy of the sister, he became a brahmana, and he had all kinds of misadventures on the way to becoming a brahmana, right? He fell down with, um, what's her name? Is that heavenly damsel he fell down with? Anyway, he produced the daughter Shakuntala, and then he got angry at the heavenly Apsara Ramba and burnt her to ashes out of anger. So he had all this sort of long story of envy and anger and lust and misadventures. But at the end of it all, he became pure devotee and entered into the Leela of Ram and Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Now the reason that Ram was breaking this bow is that her Sita was found in the earth. She wasn't born like an ordinary child. And her father, Janaka, wanted to find a suitable husband for her. When she was a little girl, she had moved this bow of Shiva when she was trying to get a ball. And normally it took, depending on which account you read, 300 men or 1,500 men to move this bow. So Janaka was so amazed that this little girl was able to move it. He said, whoever can string this bow, he can marry my daughter. Now Ram, of course, didn't only string it, but he broke it. And the noise was so loud, you see all these people falling over in the background. The woman called to their friends, Come, come, come see this beautiful exchange. Look at the beautiful Sita. So when Dasarath was informed of the wedding, he came with his queens and his uh, other two sons, and then Sita's sister Umila married Lakshman, and her two cousins Mandavi and Shrikirti married Bharat and Shatrugna. And then they were getting ready to go back to Ayodhya. And on the way, they met Pardasaram who challenged Ram and said, how dare you break the bow of Shiva? And he said, let me see if you can string this bow of Vishnu. So Ram did so and defeated Parasuram, after which time Parasuram gave up his uh, rulership over the earth and he went, he retired. And because it wasn't, wouldn't be very appropriate when Ram's on the earth for Parasuram to be there killing the Satriyas. So his particular mission was over. So then Sita Ram came to Ayodhya and uh, by some accounts they had lived there for 12 years. Then Dasara started noticing that he was becoming old, as some of us here might be. I don't know if anybody here is as old as I am, but you know, after a while you look in the mirror and there's your mother or your father's face staring back at you instead of your own. <laughs> and you start realizing, you know, the time is going. So Dasara said, now it's time, Ram is mature he should be crowned as king. And when he consulted with his astrologers, they said, do it tomorrow. So he made this announcement, and everybody was happy. But, you know, there's always some people who find bad news in good, isn't it? Some people can find good news in bad, but other people find bad news in good. Like we were just reading in Radhadesh, how in the age of, when Kali Yuga came, the personification of Kali that Maharaj Brickett was unhappy that Kali was in his kingdom, but he was happy that he got a chance to fight. Finally get a chance to fight with somebody. So he saw something good in it. So there are people who can see difficulties and see, oh, something here, good, I can use in service. But Mantra, she saw something bad in the good. Oh, Ram's going to be king? I mean, wouldn't everybody love Lord Ramachandra to be king? She said, this is 
that your son Bart will become a servant and you will become a servant of Kaikei. Instead of being the favorite queen, all of a sudden you will be inferior. And this is, of course, the danger of bad association. Now, of course, this is Lila. I mean, Kaikei is the mother of God and she's, she's in divine pastimes and ordinary person. But these examples are there for us that no matter how exalted we are, we should be very careful of our association, that our, our minds can become poisoned. And Kaikei became so poisoned that she agreed to Mantra's proposal to ask her husband to enthrone her, her own son Bharat and banish Ram for 14 years. Now, to be banished, to be exiled, was basically like a death sentence. It was a death sentence you would give to somebody who, for whatever reason, you didn't want to kill. So because Ram had done nothing wrong, and because he was the prince, he wasn't worthy of the death penalty, but exile was considered exactly like that. So she took off her jewels, lay down on the floor, and Dasarath comes, oh my dear, what's wrong? Like any good husband would do, what's wrong? Let me fix it. And then, even though he'd already promised her two boons previously when she saved his life. Again, she said, promise me that you'll do whatever I say. Of course, dear, whatever I, whatever you say. Right. Uh, we should remember only Krishna is our shelter. We may have so many friends and relatives. and we, Dasarath thought he could count on Kaikei. He thought he could trust her. He thought all my life, you know, Kaikei has always been trustworthy. I can just say to her, you can have whatever you want, and she'll ask something reasonable. But only Krishna is our shelter. Any other person may disappoint us. And Prabhupada said, said, only Krishna is your best friend. He said, if a guru says, I'm your best friend, they're a cheater. Actually, the guru is the best friend if they give us Krishna. <laughs> uh, but no jiva can be Krishna. So Dasarath was going to learn quite a hard lesson here. And Kaikei demanded the banishment of Ram, at which point Lakshman became very angry and said, I will fight this injustice. And Ram said, what are you going to do, attack our own father? He said, no, it is our duty as the sons to uphold our father's word. Our father should not be known as a liar. Actually, Dasarath would have been fined. He said, Ram, why don't you fight? Why do you just accept this? He said, my dear father, it's my duty to you that I need to, to act this way so that you will be known as a truthful man. So then Lakshman said, all right, then I'm coming with you. And then Sita said, I'm coming with you too. And Ram says, you're not coming with me to the forest. No, it's, you're a princess. And she said, what kind of wife is it who's only with her husband when things are going well? We call this a fair weather friend. Huh? When our life is going well, someone's our friend. Have you ever had a friend like this? I'll be there for you. And then one time you need them and you call them and they say, uh, I don't think so. She said, I don't want to be that kind of friend. A real, a real friend is going to be there in all circumstances. Of course, Krishna tests us like this too. Are we going to be a friend in all circumstances? So when they left for the forest, right, with the blessings of Kosalya, who also wanted to go, but Ram said, no, you have to stay here with Dasarath. So everybody wanted to go with them. The whole of Ayodhya wanted to follow them to the forest. But what Ram did was, when they were sleeping by the river at night, he woke up the chariot driver and told him to take the chariot across the river so the people couldn't follow. 
And so Krishna does this to us too. Huh? He's with us and then he leaves. Now, we shouldn't think, I mean, he's, he's doing this to his own associates in Ayodhya. Of course, Krishna does this in Vrindavan, going to Mathura, to take the devotees in these different moods of meeting and separation, to increase the love. We all want that, isn't it? Don't we want a relationship where the love is always increasing? People hope like that, you know, when I get married that my, the love between us will keep increasing and increasing. It doesn't usually work like that in this world or with our children. You know, when they're first born, you're just absorbed. You're waking up in the middle of the night. Is he breathing? Is he breathing? You know, I'm not calling my kids anymore. Are you breathing? Are you breathing? The attachment generally slackens after some time. But that's not what we want. We want a relationship where the love keeps intensifying. So Krishna's relationships with his devotees are like this. He's, Krishna is manipulating the situation so the love will always increase. So then they come to Guha, who is a tribal chief, and Lord Ramachandra has many devotees who are not high-class humans and even who are not humans at all. <laughs> That's one of the features of Lord Ramachandra. So Guha arranged for Ram, Lakshman, and Sita to cross the Ganga and find a suitable place in the forest so he finds his boatman, and the boatman says, the price I want for bringing you across the Ganga is that I can wash your lotus feet. So Ram agrees, and he brings them across the Ganga. So there they meet the sages who live in the forest, and those sages tell Ram how there's many demons living in the forest who attack the sages, destroy their sacrifices, and even eat the sages. So Ram says, I will take a vow to protect the sages. And Sita says, is that really the right thing to do? Because you're not running the kingdom anymore. Bharat's going to be running the kingdom. And he says, no, it is my duty, even if I'm here in exile, to always give protection to my devotees. Meanwhile, Dasarath, back in Ayodhya, is overwhelmed by separation from his son. He remembers when he was a young man how he could shoot an arrow based on sound. And one time practicing this art, he thought there was an elephant drinking water from the river, shot his arrow at the sound and accidentally killed a young Brahmin boy. And as the boy was dying, he said, I'm the only support of my old blind parents. Now they will also die. Please go tell my parents that I'm dead. So the young Dasarath went to this aged, blind Brahmin couple, and they were overwhelmed with grief. They said to him, you will also die in separation from your son. So materially that can seem like a curse, but if your son's God, that's a great benediction. Who would not like to die in separation from the Lord? So at this point, Bharat was informed that he had to, Bharat and Shatrigna were informed that they had to return to Ayodhya, although no one told them why. And they come back and find that Dasarath is dead, and Bharat finds about his mother's conspiracy. Prabhupada writes about how uh, Bali rejected his guru, Prahlad rejected his father, Bharat rejected his mother. So to serve Krishna. Of course, for us in the modern West, rejecting our mother and father doesn't seem like a big deal. But in a civilized society, to disobey your parents or to reject your parents was very serious. And Bharat said, I renounce you, Kaike. And he said, I am going to go to the forest to bring Ram back 
So Bharat brought the army, and with the help of Guha, he found Ramachandra in the forest. And he said, I do not accept that we have to follow this promise of our father. You come back and be the king. And Ram said, I'm sorry, I am not going to make our father's word false. And Bharat said, well, I don't care. I want you to be the king. And I refused to accept my mother's desire that I be the king. If you want to stay in exile, fine, but I'm not going to be the king. You'll have to be the king, and I will rule as your representative. So Ram finally agreed, and he gave Bart his shoes. Otherwise, even after 14 years, Bart would have still been the king. So that was Bart's love, that he wanted to supersede the regulations of the Shastra to serve Lord Ramachandra. Then Bart went back to the kingdom, and he lived even more austerely than Ram, thinking of himself as the servant of Ram. So very soon, Ram had an opportunity to kill one of these demons that was harassing the sages. This was Virad. And Virad had his cohort, Vatapi. And Vatapi had this benediction that he could reassemble his body after it was cut up. So Virad used to uh, cut up Vatapi and cook him and mix him with other food and feed him to sages. And then after the sages had eaten Vatapi, then Virad would say, Vitapi, come out! Vitapi, come out! And Vitapi would reassemble in the sage's belly and pop out and in that way kill the sage. And then they would eat the sage. So one time he tried this trick on Augusta Muni, and Augusta Muni had the benediction that he could digest anything, so he told Virad, Vitapi has been digested. <laughs> so these are very troublesome demons. So Ram and Lakshman killed Virad, who was trying to kidnap Sita. Uh, now then, Ravana's sister, Shirpanika, became very attracted to Lord Ramachandra, and she disguised herself as a very beautiful woman, and she changed her very ugly form, and she came to Ram and said, I would like to marry you. And he said, well, certainly you're worthy to be my queen, but I've taken a vow to only have one wife. And here is my wife, Sita, so I'm very sorry. I cannot fulfill your request. By the way, the gopis criticize Krishna for this. Uh, later on, they say, Krishna, you know, as, in, as Ramachandra is a proper ksatriya, you should have accepted Shirpanika. That wasn't very nice of you. Uh, so he said, but my brother Lakshman, he hasn't taken that vow. Uh, he can accept more than one wife. And anyway, his, wife, his first wife is back in Ayodhya, so why don't you marry him? So she goes to Lakshman, and Lakshman says, but I'm just here serving my older brother. I'm not here as a prince, and you're a princess. You don't want to be a servant. And then she goes back to Ram, and then after a while she figures out that they're playing with her. And she says, oh, the problem is Sita, because you're so attached to Sita. Therefore, you will not marry me. So she goes to kill Sita, at which point Lakshman cuts off her nose. So she runs to her brothers, uh, Kardushan and Trishiras, who had a camp nearby, and she didn't exactly tell them the truth. Hmm? She said, I was trying to capture the Sita for our brother Ravana. She didn't say what was actually going on. And she said, this Ram and Lakshman, they're attacking our demons in the forest. You should kill them. So Kar and Dushan and Trishiras, they all attacked Ram and Lakshman. And Ram told Lakshman to go protect Sita in a cave. And single-handedly, he defeated Kar and Dushan and their 14,000 Rakshasas. So the only one that wasn't killed was named Akampan. And Akampan went back to Ravana, and he told Ravana what had happened. And Ravana 
was thinking, I better leave these guys alone. If Ram alone can defeat 14,000 Rakshasas and Karandushan and Trishiras, better not to mess with him. And then Shirpanika comes to Ravana, and it publicly, in front of the assembly, she again, she distorts the information, right? Do we sometimes do that if we've made a mistake? And then we tell other people what happened, and we don't quite tell them the truth. So she said, you know, I went there to get you this beautiful woman, Sita, and I was attacked by Ram and Lakshman, and then they attacked your brothers and, and our soldiers. And uh, after hearing from a combine, you know, Ram wasn't so inclined, Ravana wasn't so inclined. But when Shirpanika started describing Sita, then he became interested. And therefore he went to speak to Marich, and he said to Maricha, he said, I want you to kidnap this Sita from Richa said, don't do this. He said, I know who Ram is and everything will be destroyed. So Prabhupada says in Krishna book when Vasudeva is talking to Kamsa that one of the symptoms of a demon is that they don't take good advice. It's one of the ways you tell who's a devotee, who's a demon, whether or not they take good advice. So Ram, Ravana wouldn't take any good advice. He said, I'm sorry, I want to kidnap Sita. You become a golden deer and entice Ram and Lakshman away. And Maricha said, then certainly Ram will kill me. He said, well, if you don't do what I say, I'll kill you. And Maricha thought, well, better to be killed by an enemy following the instructions, being loyal to my king, than to be killed by my king as a criminal. That's a more honorable death. If I have to die anyway, better die honorably. Of course, he got killed by Ram, so that was more than honorable. And then Maricha came as this golden deer and Sita's asking Ram, please capture this deer for me, and I can take the deer back as a pet to Ayodhya. Our exile is almost finished. And Ram said, I think there's something funny about this deer. I think it's a demon. That's all right. If it's a demon, then I will kill him. So then Ram said to Lakshman, you please stay and protect Sita while I go capture this golden deer. So, of course, when Ram was out chasing the deer, he notices that it's Maricha, and he kills the deer, at which point Maricha says in Ram's voice, Sita, Lakshman, help me! And Sita says to Lakshman, That's your brother, Prabhupada. Oh, not my brother. It must be some demon. And then she becomes bewildered, as we all tend to do when we're in great fear. And she says, Ah, you want your brother to die so you can have me. Lashman was so hurt that he left her alone. At which point, Ravana pretended to be a sage. So this has happened since the beginning of time. The demons dress up as devotees. So I know in America every year there's over 2,000 crimes committed by people wearing a policeman uniform who aren't really police officers. So we shouldn't be surprised. In Krishna's Lila, so many demons come dressed as devotees. And Ravana kidnaps her and starts taking her to his kingdom. But somebody was guarding Sita. Who was that? Jatayu. So Jatayu, a vulture. Uh, so that Ram is not only has devotees who are not humans, but a vulture is a very low bird. Huh? So Jatayu challenges Ravana. Ravana, you cannot take away Sita in my presence and live. And Sita says, My dear Jatayu, do not fight with Ravana. You are very old, and he is much stronger than you. I remember seeing that scene when I was watching the drama with Srila Prabhupada. 
and Rasikya was playing Sita. So Jatayu was able to destroy Ravana's chariot. He was able to break Ravana's chariot to pieces, and Ravana had to just hold Sita directly, but then Ravana cut off his wings and talons. So similarly, in our service, we may sometimes fail to reach our objective. Did Jatayu fail to reach his objective of killing Ravana? Did he fail? Obviously he failed. But yet, he was a success. Ram and Lakshman were happy with his service. And Ram gave him the burial one would give to a father. And of course, Jatayu at least was able to say, Ravana took your wife and went south. So at least he was able to give some good information. And then Ram and Lakshman were looking everywhere. Where is Sita? Where is Sita? I also remember really seeing this scene. And Prabhupada was sitting just a few rows ahead of me. And it really felt like we were right there in the Dundaka forest. It didn't feel like we were in a building in, in, in Manhattan. So as they're looking, they get captured by Kabanda. Kabanda had been a demigod who had been cursed to take this horrible form. And when we used to advertise the Ramayana, the devotee who would wear the Kabanda costume, we'd go, we'd go out in our costumes and we'd always take Kabanda out onto the streets of New York to advertise them. The drama. It was this big, he'd fill up the whole stage. So he grabbed Ram and Lakshman, who cut off Kabanda's arms with their swords. And then he said, If you burn my body, I will tell you what to do next. So they burned his body, he assumed his celestial form, and he told them to go to Sabari. Now, Sabari is interesting. She was the disciple of Matanga Muni. And when her guru had been ready to leave the planet, she also wanted to go with him to Vaikuntha. And he said, no, you must stay here to greet Rama and Lakshman. So she had that faith, just like Prabhupada tells us, if you chant Hare Krishna, then you will see Krishna face to face. So she didn't say, well, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And she had that faith. And every day she would decorate the path with flowers. Rama and Lakshman will come. Rama and Lakshman will come. Of course, one day she looked and there they were. Now, she was living in the forest, and she didn't have much to receive them, so she would pick some berries. Now, Sabari had been a tribal woman, and just like so many of us, at least for myself, I don't exactly come from a very high-class background, just some America, meat-eating family. So even after becoming a devotee, we may still keep some of our um, tribal culture. <laughs> uh, whenever I'm in more cultured areas of the world, I always start off by saying, I'm an American, I'm from New York, and I really don't have any culture. So the Shabari, she didn't have any culture, and so therefore I find her a very great inspiration. So she was picking these berries, and the only way, you know, usually some fruit you can tell how ripe it is by the color or by the softness, but with these kind of berries you had to taste them. So she was tasting each berry before she'd give it to Ralph. Oh, this is a sweet one, you can have this. So just imagine you go to someone's house, and everything they give you, they take a bite out of it first. <laughs> but still, Ram was accepting. Mukundamarsh tells this story in Miracle on Second Avenue, how he was in the car with Srila Prabhupada very early in the movement, and Prabhupada had one of these medjool dates. You know what they are? Very sweet and, and thick dates. So Prabhupada took a bite out of it and then handed it to Mukunda. And Mukunda was kind of just looking at it. You know, what do I do with this date with a bite out of it? He's just wondering, what do I do? And Prabhupada kind of indicated he should eat it. Said, okay, you know. So he didn't realize he's getting a benediction from his spiritual master. You know, he didn't understand that. So he takes a bite out of the date, but he doesn't know what to do. So he hands it back to Shul Prabhupada. 
Prabhupada didn't, didn't accept it. But Ram accepted these, these berries. And then Shabari told Ram and Lakshman to go to Lake Pampa and find Hanuman. So Hanuman then took Ram to meet Sugriva, who had been thrown out of his kingdom by his brother Bali due to a misunderstanding. But Bali had not only usurped the kingdom, Bali had taken uh, Sugriva's wife and enjoyed her as his own wife. And so Ram was saying to Sugriva, so my wife is also, I've also been exiled from my kingdom, and my wife has also been kidnapped. Maybe we can help each other. So they formed a bond of friendship, and Ram arranged for Sugriva to fight with Bali, and then Ram shot, shot Bali from behind the tree. So the Gopis also criticized Krishna for this. They say, when you were Ram, you shot Bali from behind the tree, you didn't fight him in open combat. Of course, Ram said he was doing this because Bali was a criminal and he was executing him as a king. And Bali, eventually, before he died, uh, he forgave Ramachandra. Then Sugriva went back to the kingdom where then he forgot about his promise to Ram. He got so absorbed in enjoying the kingdom. He'd been in exile for so long and finally back with his wife. And Lakshman had to come and remind him. And Lakshman didn't remind him very gently either. So sometimes when we forget our duty, we're reminded by Krishna or his representatives. And sometimes it's a gentle reminder, and perhaps sometimes not so much. And then Sugriva said, no, 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 I, I didn't forget. In fact, I've already been assembling the monkeys to look for Sita. Now he assembled four groups of monkeys to go in the four directions. So imagine again, if you're in the Lila, you might be in the group of monkeys that went in the direction where Sita was not. Uh, but that's also part of the story. So just, we may not always be successful externally in our missions, but still, uh, Krishna accepts our service. So, but Ram particularly gave his ring to Hanuman and said, if you see Sita, please give her my ring. So even Hanuman's group had a lot of difficulties to look for Sita. They ended up in the cave of this mystic yogini, and oh, so many problems. And finally, they end up on the shore of the ocean. Now what are they going to do? Now there they met Jatayu's brother, Sampati, who could see that Sita was on the other side, but how to get there? So the different monkeys were saying, well, I can jump there, and I don't know if I can jump back. Well, I can jump halfway in there. Prabhupada talks about this in terms of taking sannyas. That if you're going to take sannyas, you can't say, well, I can do it halfway. <laughs> Be able to do it completely. So then Jambavan reminded Hanuman, you actually have the power to jump across the ocean. So he did so, and that was not without his difficulties. He had to encounter various demons on his way across the ocean. And then when he gets to Lanka, he can't even find Sita right away. Finally, he finds her in the Ashok forest, surrounded by demonesses. And then in hiding in the tree, he hears Ravana saying, if you don't surrender to me in two months, I will have my cooks cut you up into pieces and serve you to me for breakfast. Would that convince you to love somebody? <laughs> love me or I will eat you. This is the way of the demons. So as Ravana left, then Hanuman sang to Sita and gave her the ring of Ram and gave her solace and courage. 
And then Hanuman think, thought, let me do a little more than I was asked to do. I was asked to find Sita, but let me go a little beyond this. Let me do some reconnaissance, some spying. So he destroyed the Ashok Grove, at which point he was brought to the court of Ravana. And Ravana, there he told Ravana, return Sita to Ram and make peace. And Ravana said, nothing doing. And Hanuman said, that Ram will certainly destroy Lanka. Ravana said, kill this messenger. And Babishan was a great devotee. He said, you cannot kill messengers. He said, you can name him, but you can't kill him. So from the beginning of time, the bearers of bad news are punished and the bearers of good news are rewarded. So I think if we followed this today, there would be a lot less gossip. Huh? <laughs> People punished those who brought bad news and rewarded those who brought good news. So Ravana said, all right, we will maim him. We will set fire to his tail. Because monkeys like their tail. A oh, bad move. And Hanuman simply took his tail on fire, checked out all of the situation in Lanka, and set the city on fire. And then he returned with his monkey troop to Ram to tell him where Sita was. So then Ram and his army came also to the ocean. But how, how were they going to cross? So of course, Ram could have also leapt over the ocean. But Ram often likes for his devotees to be glorified more than himself. So instead he took a humble position and he fasted for three days by the shore of the ocean the ocean didn't give way, then in great anger, his eyes burning with anger, he started to burn up the ocean. All of the fish were feeling hot, at which point the ocean came and surrendered. And Ram said, please allow us to build a bridge. So then the monkeys, using stones and trees, built a bridge, at which point they crossed over to Lanka. So now Ravana was getting a little worried before this, he wasn't worried, but when he saw this bridge, he thought, hmm, maybe I actually have a problem here. But he didn't surrender. So in our life, in so many ways, Krishna shows us that he's supreme, but we may still hold on to our ego and not surrender. So then finally the battle begins, and of course Ravana and his army have all sorts of sophisticated weapons and deva weapons, and although Ram and Lakshman have some arrows and some divine weapons they got from Mishvamrita, the rest of the monkeys, maybe some of them had a few clubs, but they mostly had stones and sticks. And Prabhupada compares this in the Bhagavatam to our situation, that the materialistic people at the present time, I mean, just think of how much money they have, huh? And, and all the media, and they can make some 3D IMAX movie of some stupid thing, Right? And we think, how are we going to spread Krishna consciousness when they have all these fancy weapons? And Prabhupada says that when we have Ram on our side, that even if we're a bunch of monkeys wielding sticks, do you ever feel like you're a monkey wielding a stick against the agents of Kali who have sophisticated weapons, still one can become victorious. And again, everything didn't go so smoothly. Indrajit shot a snake weapon at Ram and Lakshmana. Uh, which Garuda would uh, revive them by eating the snakes. Again, it's not that just because we're on Krishna's side, everything goes perfectly from the beginning. Uh, there may be difficulties. It may seem that everything's going to collapse. And then Ravana woke up his brother, Kumbhakarna, who slept for six months at a time. It's hard to wake him up. 
had that elephants walking on him and stuff. And when he woke up, he was so big, giant, he could eat the monkeys and step on them. And, and monkeys thought everything's lost, and then Ram cut off his arms and threw him into the sea. And then Indrajit shot Lakshman uh, with another weapon that knocked Lakshman unconscious. And they were told the only cure is the Sanjeevani herb that's away, far away in the Himalayas. So Hanuman went there. But Prabhupada explained that although Hanuman was very strong, he wasn't particularly smart. He was a monkey. So he's looking at this mountain and he's thinking, well, I don't know what the Sanjeevani is. So he brought back the whole mountain. So we may also see that we have so many deficiencies. None of us are free from deficiencies, but instead we should focus, what are my strengths, what are my talents? Prabhupada says that Krishna has given everyone something extraordinary, and to serve Krishna with one's extraordinary talent means successful life. So instead of trying to be God, which none of us will ever be, and to be perfect in everything, uh, rather accept whatever talents and strengths I have in this life and try to use them for Krishna. So of course then, Lakshman was revived. And in the final battle, Ram was given the chariot of Indra, and he was fighting with Ravana, and he finally shot Ravana in the heart with the Brahmastra. And finally, in this great battle, Ravana was defeated. You like that, yeah. huh? It's a little crude on that, very sophisticated. <laughs> I have a lot of sophisticated techniques here. Yeah. All right, well, it would seem now everything would be good now that Ravana was defeated, but not so. Not so. And Ram said to Sito, I've won you, but uh, now just you can go back to your father. What do you mean? So well, you were with Ravana. So she went through the fire. Of course, there's this other story how Agni was returning the real Sita, but we don't have time to tell that. And then they took, the exile was over, they took Ravana's flower airplane that he had stolen from Kuvera, and they returned to Ayodhya. This is from the Bhagavatam. It says, As the Lord sat in his airplane of flowers with women offering him prayers and reciters chanting about his characteristics, he appeared like the moon with the stars and planets. And here's Bharat who's performed his austerities, the queens greeting Ram and Lakshman and Sita, and of course there now is Hanuman and Sugriva, and welcoming them back to Ayodhya. And Ram finally coronated as the king of the world. And Ram and Sita as the king and queen of the world. Now it might be nice if the story ended there. Later, Sita becomes banished, gives birth to love and Kush. We learn the story of the Ramayana from Valmiki and teach it to the world. So.
So I have one more little treat for five minutes if you'd like to see it. I have something. 